Michael W. Smith sings, friends are friends forever. It's good. And we're friends with Israel, and friends are friends through thick and thin. And it's easy to come to Israel when there's no war, and you can take tours. But I think it's important for Christians to say, I stand with you in your hard times, in your night, in your darkness. What can we do about the devastation that Israel experienced from the Hamas war? How can we help? The world should take decisive action on acts of wickedness perpetrated by the enemies of Israel to wipe them off the map. And Israel needs our help and prayers. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund. And today we have a special episode with insights from Senators Sam Brownback, Skip and Lenya Heitzig, and their reaction to the radical terrorism and attacks on Israel, dealing with radicalism stemming from Iran and remembering that God loves Israel and her neighbors. Take a listen from a recent delegation that Joel led with these dear friends. Well, I don't even know what to call you, Sam, because you've been a friend for so long, but you were a congressman when I first met you almost 30 years ago. Then you became a senator uh, from Kansas, then the governor of Kansas, and then uh, as ambassador for international religious freedom, being appointed by President Trump to be in the exact spot of a position you created in legislation you passed as a senator. So anyway, I'm so grateful for your friendship and for your love for Israel and the, and the, and the Jewish people. So first of all, thank you for coming on this uh, evangelical delegation. Well, thank you for organizing it. You and I have known each other for almost 30 years. I, I first met you when you were a freshman congressman from Kansas uh, back in 1994 and ended up being elected senator from Kansas, then governor of Kansas, and uh, then became appointed by President Trump to serve as the uh, U.S. Ambassador for International Religious Freedom, a, a position that you created in a religious freedom package, a legislation package that uh, you wrote. Uh, it's really interesting how many ways God has used you over the years, and I've been grateful for every moment and for your love, not only for America, but for Israel and the U.S.-Israel alliance. Thank you, Sam. Oh, thank you, Joel. Uh, and it's actually Don Nichols' bill, but I was behind okay, it, all right, well. <laughs> and I'm happy to have been a, uh, been a part of it. And it's just been a great honor to be able to serve in these many capacities and to be here in Israel again at this critical season for this nation. Well, thank you for coming right before Christmas. I mean, it's uh, uh, not an easy time to say, yes, I'm going to leave my family and all my other responsibilities. Your reaction to spending time with hostage families, uh, spending time uh, walking through the wreckage of Kafar Aza, I mean, for me, I've never seen devastation like that, except maybe in Saving Private Ryan or other war movies. I mean, to actually walk through it with the booms of artillery going over, you know, the, the smell of uh, death and war in the air. Some of your reactions just to, to what you've been seeing in these few days that you've been here. That's stunning. Just really stunned. I mean, here, here is this beautiful nation that only seeks peace, that just wants peace here, and it gets radically attacked by terrorists right on its doorsteps, and people killing others just face-to-face. I mean, it's, it really is a stunning situation, but I think it also will lead to this resolve on Israel's part to really deal with the terrorist element. My concern is that we've got to deal with the heart of it. We've got to deal with the puppet master, which is Iran. And that is going to continue to produce and push terrorism until Iran, this leadership of the mullahs, is dealt with. All right, so let's deal with that specifically because uh, you've been an Iran expert and focused on the Middle East for a long part of your career. As we go deeper into 2024, do you see a way that Israel could 
just win in the South against Hamas and not deal with Iran's regime at 84% enrichment of uranium, they're that close to be able to build fully operational nuclear weapons. So what's your sense, what's your advice to to Israel and, and to American leaders? The world has to deal with the Iranian mullahs. And I think it's time to push for regime change in Iran. You're going to continue to see this cancer metastasize of terrorism within this entire region, like we are now with Hamas, Hezbollah, the Hutus that are going into the trade lanes. It's just going to continue to happen. And Iran is a charter member of the axis of evil. They're kind of the affront, the front piece of it. And that's Russia and China and North Korea. You're either going to deal with them now or you're going to deal with them when they're stronger later. It needs to be, and it's got to be the United States has to be in on this, and the Europeans need to be in on this as well, or it's not going to be effective. Okay, true, but I don't know what's your assessment. You're, you you spent a lot of time uh, in Washington and observing Washington. Do you see a scenario in which President Biden takes decisive action, either in absolutely bankrupting uh, Iran through massive sanctions that we've never seen before, much less preemptive military strikes that will at least neutralize uh, the nuclear sites that are there? I, That's hard to picture. It's hard to picture, but it's hard to picture what happened here on October 7th. I mean, this had been setting up for years, but everybody was kind of, okay, we've got the Iron Dome. It's got Mm -hmm. everything set up. We're kind of okay, and we can deal with this. And then, boom, it explodes on you. You get these black swan events that happen, Mm -hmm. like 9-11 was for us. We'd been getting attacked for a decade prior to 9-11, and then 9-11 hits us, and we go, that's it. We're done. Mm -hmm. We're going on offense. Mm -hmm. And we went on offense, and we weren't attacked domestically then. That's what I see is you're going to have some event that will happen that will trigger this cascade of things of, okay, we've got to deal with the, where the cancer is metastasizing from, and that's the mullahs in Iran. And what we've got to do, really, Joel, is push for a re- different regime that's there because the Iranian people are wonderful people. This is a, an, a historic culture, but what's taking place now is a terrorist funding expanding machine. If Biden doesn't act in 2024, I mean, it's an election year. He's losing right now pretty significantly to almost anybody he runs again, but particularly if it was a former President Trump. So what if Israeli leaders feel they don't have the time to wait for Biden to make his own decisions and see who comes into the new administration with a new defense secretary? And, you know, do you support Israel, uh, should evangelical Christians in the United States support Israel if one day we wake up and feel like and they make their decision, we had to do a preemptive strike? I think the evangelical Christians should support a regime being different in Tehran. Whoever is the catalyst to do that and to push that, you're going to get more terrorism as long as this regime is in position in Tehran. And if you can't see it today that's taking place with these various nodes that the Iranians have funded, trained, backed, and armed. And if you can't see the alliance that Iran has today with Russia, China, and North Korea, you're blind to this. And if you can't see the threat that is to the civilized world, this is a threat to Western civilization that we're experiencing now. And this anti-Semitism that's growing around the world is a big harbinger of a very terrible and difficult situation for the overall culture in the United States, but in other places. Any culture that goes through this anti-Semitism, it harms the culture 
It harms the people. It harms us. It's harmful and difficult for the Jewish people, certainly. But it is really terrible if you look historically on the culture that supports and allows it. Thank you. Thank you for making time in this terrible hour for Israel, making time even to come over as we record this right before Christmas. Uh, grateful for your friendship, grateful for your support for Israel and the U.S.-Israel alliance. And let's be praying that uh, the Lord does something miraculous in 2024, because right now it looks like we may go from bad to worse. Could be. Could Thank be. You. Thank you, Joel. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our prayer requests today are, number one, to pray for the hostages still held by Hamas, that they will be released by the mercies of God. And pray for Israeli leaders, that God will give them the wisdom they need to navigate the situation's complexities. Pastor Skip and Lenya, thank you so much. You guys have been such strong supporters of Israel. You lived on a kibbutz 40-some years ago, I think? Yeah, 1978. Wow. And you've been bringing Christian tours over from your congregation in New Mexico for as long as I even heard about you, and probably well before that. 42 times we've been to Israel. Amazing. Amazing. So let me ask you guys, first of all, thank you to come, to leave the congregation for a little bit and come together to a war zone. Why did you say yes? Well, it's like Michael W. Smith sings, friends are friends forever. It's good. And we're friends with Israel and friends are friends through thick and thin. And it's easy to come to Israel when there's no war and you can take tours. But I think it's important for Christians to say, I stand with you in your hard times, in your night, in your darkness. So we're here to voice our love and support for this land. Amen. Not just standing with Israel, but standing with you as our friends. You have been such a good part of our lives for, we were trying to count how many years, 06, 07, yeah, somewhere. 17 years. 17 years. And being a part of the Joshua Fund and all that you've done and having the privilege to travel with you around the world and be Saudi involved. Arabia, United Arab Emirates, uh, Egypt. I mean, it's really been quite amazing the things we've gotten to do together as we've tried to bless Israel and her neighbors. In the name and of we Jesus. remember when you decided to make Aliyah and move to Israel yourself with your family. That's a huge move. So thank you. Well, thank you. So Lenny, let me start with you. Sitting with three hostage families, your takeaways, your, how you, were you feeling? What did you hear? It was heart-wrenching because I do Reload Love. I've been able Which is to an NGO to bless children in war-torn and terror, terror areas. Technically, yeah. Yes. I've been to Iraq. And so I've seen the carnage of ISIS. 
And uh, I've been in homes in Katakush, which is a Christian city in that area, that were really pummeled by ISIS. But then to see the homes we got to on the kibbutz in Kafar Asa, it made ISIS look like the B team, that the carnage that was there. And um, just seeing the banners in front of those homes on the kibbutz, you know, that they were murdered here and uh, harmed here, and finding out that it was not, first of all, civilians, which we don't do, but it was women and children and babies and older senior citizens. Yes, yes, it it broke my heart. When you match that, and I'll come back to you in a second, but matching the walking through that, the, the sight of one of those atrocities that is the worst murder of Jews since the Holocaust in in terms of one day. But then also sitting with those hostage families. Talk about the connection between seeing this and hearing those families and meeting them face to face. I think that is the next level that what was compelling about them is they kept saying to us, will you please tell others? Mm -hmm. They wanted us to be a megaphone. Mm -hmm. They wanted their stories not to end here, but to go back to the United States and that we would be, you know, also compelling people. Look, some of them, their hostages were still there. The gentleman, his son, was still gone, and the female we talked to, actually, there was a couple as well. Their yeah, people yeah. were still hostages. Yeah. They're begging us to tell others, get them home. And what they said was fascinating. It was 24, 25 nations yeah. that were taken hostage, yeah. and uh, also that it was four major religions yeah. that were taken hostage. So what they tried to say to us is this is a humanitarian crisis. Yeah. This isn't just Israeli, Palestinian, Israeli, Hamas. This is a, a humanitarian crisis yeah. that we wish the world would engage in. Let's start with the hostages, and we'll yeah. go back to the Kafar Aza. Yeah. yeah, so to hear a family, not just to see a site, was important, but a face with a place. And what sticks out of my mind is the couple who had on their T-shirt their son, Ophir, mm-hmm. who's a hostage, who's an asthmatic, mm. and they imagine him every morning in a tunnel not being able to breathe, not having his medicine, not being able to clear his lungs, and how she said, I believe in God. Yes, and I trust and pray that God will deliver them. That was very moving to yeah, me because yeah. we're people of faith. And a mother realizes the only hope that I have for the future of my family as well as my nation is to trust on God. It was very moving. Then to go to the place and see yeah. the carnage, yeah, yeah. different level. Yeah, it also struck me because, you know, we were being as sensitive as we could to not pry. But I don't, you know, it wasn't immediately clear that they weren't dressed or acting like a very religious person. But right. she said she goes into her son's room every yeah. day specifically yes. to pray. And I, that struck me because I, I think most of the people that live in those border communities, most, not all, are pretty secular, strong Zionists, but not so not so close to God. Nachal Oz was that particular community. And that was a pretty secular left-wing um, mm-hmm. group of people. But it's like there's no atheist in a foxhole. Right. It, it seems like uh, they were crying out to God. They were crying out to God and crying out to others. See us, see him. Don't give up. It's been, what, 76, 77 days now. And so the news cycle can come around and start losing traction. And so they're saying, please don't give up. My son's still there. There are people still there. And I think we shouldn't forget that. We want all the hostages to come home. And then, Skip, uh, one of the things that was clear from the meeting with those hostage families was how 
isolated they do feel, that the U.N. has mostly turned against them, that the media has internationally has turned against Israel, and then most of the focus of the world is, why are you doing all this in Gaza? As though Israel started this war. Yeah. What was your message, Skip, to them, and then Lenya, with you, that you wanted them to, and, and all Israelis, to take away? Well, Joel, what, what I thought about is something you predicted when I interviewed you, and you said, America's going to be tested very soon. Right now, they're sympathetic toward Israel. Very soon, they're going to see images come out of oh, Gaza. That was right, the first week, and the first gonna, days after that. And they're going to turn. So we started, yeah. That's happening, and this is a family experiencing the fallout of a world that has a new cycle that forgets one thing and sees another. And they were looking to us, trusting God, but looking to us and saying, don't let this get lost in the new cycle. Be our megaphone. So the point that I was making on the kibbutz yesterday is having spent time on a kibbutz, knowing the peaceful environment that it's set up to be, thinking of the hopes and dreams of young families who move there, having those hopes and dreams shattered. I'm not an army that can fight against terrorists, but I, I can raise up an army of voices right. in America from the pulpit That's and right. remind people what's going on and keep these stories afresh. Yeah, And your message, uh, not well, just to that group, but both to Israelis but, and then back to American evangelicals and Americans generally. It brought absolute moral clarity mm. for me that um, this is an evil this is a supreme evil, and uh, you don't negotiate with it. I brought up that I'm a cancer survivor. And if anyone you know has cancer, you don't negotiate with cancer. At least we didn't. For me, and then I had to have a belly surgery removal of a very large tumor. You attack it aggressively. That's right. And we hit it with chemo. You don't negotiate with one cell. You don't want one cell of cancer left inside of you. I am 100% behind Israel. And what seems to be the voice we're hearing from everyone, the people at the kibbutz and the hostage family members, is don't stop till you're done. That I think that the country has hit a point of, no, we don't want this anymore. We don't want to face it again in the future. Now, in Starot, that not one more bomb, not one more thing. Don't come home until you're done, you know, saying to the IDF. And it's an absolute clarifying moment for Israelis, for Americans. We have all the people coming across our border. And we mentioned on the best today, we don't know if there's sleeper cells coming across the border. It's a lot of men, you know, Army military age, age, military age, too, exactly, yeah. past, you know. that are in our nation, number one. Number two, we were shocked how much our campuses mm-hmm. have become so liberal and so anti-Semitic yeah. that it was a wake-up call to our nation that has been so pro-Israel that we have been such great partners with Israel in the past. And to see that mm-hmm. fog yeah. that's not morally clear, yeah. that it's a wake-up call for us at home to really go back and talk about Israel and talk about, you know, this is a fight for Western civilization in a lot of ways. So really wanting to take up that banner. And Joel, I think pulpits in our country are are weak and pastors need to bone up a little bit and be strong in terms of the covenant that God has made to Israel and reaffirm that and teach about it. Part of being a Bible teacher is to teach the truth on what God promised to this land. Yeah, and when when people cherry pick through the scriptures, they can miss whole sections like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, and, and the whole story of Israel and how central that is to God's plan. All right, last, uh, we only have a few more moments here. We did get to spend some time with some Palestinian Christians, and our deep love for Israel is true, and it's rock solid, and it's, not, it's unwavering. 
but we do have compassion for how Palestinians are suffering. Just your takeaways, uh, the, the meeting was off the record, but just your takeaways from spending some time with Palestinian Christians and what your message is to American evangelicals who love Israel, what should be our approach yeah. towards the Palestinians? I was touched by the meeting, and my heart wanted afterwards and today at processing. I want to be involved in that side of it, too, because there are Christians who are a minority, yes, but still brothers and sisters who are suffering, hiding in churches and desperate for food and wondering, do people know about them? And so to hear a voice, even a lone voice from the West, say, we know about you, we love you, we're praying for you, and we want to help you, is important to somehow get out. So I was touched by our interface, and I would love to pivot somewhat to give expression to that. Any last thoughts on the, on the Palestinian dynamic? Yeah. I mean, these are our brothers. They're a part of the body of Christ. Yes, we can't dispute the land, but they are a part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we are all connected. If one hurts, we all hurt. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely to be able to reach out and to let them know with all compassion to do what we can to uh, take away their suffering. Again, with Reload Love, if there is a way I could build a playground as mm-hmm. we have in 40 other places around the world or classrooms or crayons, anything to reach out to those children to bring normalcy and healing from trauma. If we could build it in Gaza, we would. We would do it. Yeah, I think there's a new day coming, but we got to get through this now. And I think it's very important, not only that you two came, but to, to understand Israeli perspectives from the highest levels, from the IDF officials at, at, at the Israeli Pentagon, as well as uh, IDF officials on the ground, mayors of, of cities uh, on the front lines, walking through Kafar Aza. It's a rare moment in Israeli history, but it's also rarer still for evangelicals to have an opportunity to come and, and be welcomed and, and show us what's, what is going on and what has been the cost so far, but also to really lean into our love for Palestinians and to say, look, we're not here with a, a plan to solve this problem, but the gospel is the plan, big picture, and this is what we need to work on together. Thank you. Thank you guys for going back 17 years. We first had dinner at P.F. Chang's in Albuquerque, <laughs> and that's what we were talking about. Joshua had just started three months earlier. Wow. The Lebanon War happened a month after that, and I was sitting with you guys a month after that and saying, where do we go from here? Uh-huh. And you were like, we need to make a film, a documentary film on your book, Epicenter. We need to have a conference in Israel. Right. We need 2,000 people. I'm like, what are you smoking? <laughs> and we did and it. You guys need to be 200. And then we need to figure out a way to mobilize people because this is the moment. And gosh, wow, so much fruit has been born from this friendship. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to you both. And the message is and always has been God so loved the world, including the Palestinians and the Israelis. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to this episode about understanding the consequences of radical extremism and its implications during this war in Gaza. If you found this podcast valuable, please get in touch with us. Let us know who you are. Do you want to talk about something else on this show? Do you have a question you want Joel to answer? Send any comments you might have to podcast at joshuafund.net. Your feedback is incredibly valuable to us as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the Joshua Fund Ministry team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg.
You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared to You podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared to Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.